Sass Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SaaS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today, and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CMOs and CEOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Amber Bogey. She's Director of Demand Generation at ReachDesk, a SaaS company that enables its clients to deliver gifts and direct mail that to build deeper connections with customers, prospects, and employees all at the click of a button. Hey, Amber, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Hey, before we dig in, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and why somebody would want to deliver gifts at the click of a button? Well, starting with a little bit about myself, well, I've been marketing for the over 10 years now, losing track of the time. I've more or less found a lot of joy and success in account-based marketing and have spent the last six or so years working with that strategy and have reached a point of, I guess I say evolution, where I'm looking at the entire funnel entry, funnel after funnel experience differently and how it's all interconnected. So the impact of direct mail, that's a really, really good question. And I've kind of always thought of direct mail as something that's a necessary part of your business strategy. It is extremely relevant in the marketing space, extremely relevant in the sales side of business, supporting customers, I mean, throughout the entire journey. It is really supportive of any account-based marketing strategy. It is extremely supportive of customer advocacy and brand building. And, uh, you know, in, in my my own eyes, I think that it's a necessary thing to include in your business. Well, certainly, you know, in the sales role, I've seen the impact of sending the right kind of gift to the right kind of person. And if you're not doing this in a programmatic way, it's definitely something to explore. When we did our prep, we were talking about the new roles for people and maybe how to evaluate opportunities for the next gig. And I think that's really important. A lot of the people that we meet in our work are new in their roles, and sometimes the fit isn't quite what they hoped. And you had a really interesting way of looking at opportunities, this quadrant for looking at jobs. And I'd love you to walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great story that when we initially had a conversation, you know, I was in the process of looking for a role. And so I'm really glad that this topic came up about my search for a new role. I was at a point where I was looking for a new role and having, you know, a handful of years and an experience under my belt, I've had successes and I've had failures. I've had really great companies and I've had not so great companies. And so I think that it really is more of a lessons learned kind of story and lessons learned experience. And so I wanted to be extremely thoughtful about finding the right role and what that meant for me. 
So throughout this job search, I developed what I call like a quadrant of things that I was looking for. And I think that for every person, you identify what are the most important things to you. I think most of us that can vary just a little bit, but for the most part, it's going to fall into what does the company offer as a product? What is the company culture? And how does that fit in with you? What is the role itself? And how does that fit in with what you're looking to do or looking to grow into? And then also rounding it out with what are your leaders look like in this company? What kind of leadership do you have? And I think those are all really critical areas. Tend to think that marketers have a hard time marketing something they don't believe in. I think that we've all worked for companies that are maybe less than fancy, less than shiny, but that doesn't really matter. It's what product are you delivering? And do you believe in that? Like, can you sleep at night knowing that what you're pushing in day in and day out into people's inboxes or into their budget and into their day-to-day lives? Is it making a difference in how you feel about that? So that's obviously, you know, a personal decision. But for me, I wanted to feel excited about the product and believe in it and work for a mission-driven company more or less. And the reach desk really fit the bill. I really, really enjoyed and lit me up to be at a company that was the gift giving. I felt like they stood out because of the altruistic kind of nature behind the business. And I think that's what makes us stand out as a company in the space is that it's not about a gift for a meeting. It's not about just giving away a gift card or giving someone coffee. It's about delivering your customer's your prospects, these people, a moment of delight, a moment of connection. And that I really resonate with. And so there's kind of that element. Then there's, of course, the leadership model. You know, I was very fortunate to have met our CMO in a previous organization and we were able to, you know, connect. And I felt really confident and really strong in the kind of leader he is. And I knew that I was going to have great support and learn a lot from him, including, you know, my VP who I work under. The interview process was such a positive experience and I felt really engaged, really motivated and really excited about working under these people. And so I think that in itself is a big thing. It's like identifying that leadership, right? Is it there for you? Do you see yourself growing? And then the cultural element, of course, I think that you have to define what matters to you. Like what about work-life balance? You know, how do the people you engage with during the interview process make you feel? And you can get a really strong sense for that. And for me, you know, speaking specific to this decision, like my interview process was absolutely the most positive and enjoyable experience. And every person you interview with, whether it's HR, somebody on your team, somebody underneath you, your boss, how they speak about the company, how they speak about their day-to-day, you can really tell whether or not they're passionate or excited or really believe, or if they're just kind of interviewing, talking about the business, you know, you can, I don't know, I guess read the room. And I really enjoy working for a company and people that are passionate about what they do and working with smart, motivated people and reach desk has that all over it. So there's your culture. And then of course the role itself, you know, what are you looking for and are you able to grow? Is it that next step you want to take and can you be challenged in it? And I really think that if you're not afraid, then you're probably not making the right choice because you should be afraid. It should be an exciting new challenge. And I had that from a previous CMO gave me that advice when I left the company, I was afraid, I was nervous. And he said, if you're not scared, it's probably not the right choice. And I really kind of took that and held on to it. And I do believe it. You know, you know, that's really interesting point that last bit, because I think there's a lot of things in marketing where if there's not some discomfort, you're just not advancing the game. So whether it's in your career or when your creative team brings you something to use, you know, if it's too easy to accept, maybe it's not going to change the outcome. So maybe discomfort should be considered a good thing when you're making a decision, right? It's interesting. 
Yeah, definitely. Hey, so one of the things that I think you latched onto was an ebook we built for people their first hundred days, first hundred day guide. And I'm wondering how many days are you in this gig, by the way? I am like a week shy of three months. So closing in on the hundred days. Yeah, exactly. So uh, any learnings for the first three months that you think are worth sharing? Any things you didn't expect or, you know, things that have really turned out amazing? Yeah. I mean, uh, ironically, I actually built out a 30, 60, 90 as part of my interview process, which I think is a phenomenal thing to do, whether you're asked to do it or not. I think it really can set you up for success. More or less, the first month is being a sponge, right? Absorbing anything and everything. The second month is about evaluating everything that you absorbed from the first 30 days and kind of ideating on what it is that you can improve on, what it is you can change, what is the start, stop, continue. And then the third month is execution, like getting things things done. Now I have that built. And of course we all have these big ideas of how it's going to go. I mean, I certainly spent a lot of time absorbing, but I feel like I've been there for a lot longer than three months. It feels like I've been there for almost a year really. And I think that just speaks to the fact that we're a fast growing company and we're evolving and we're moving. And honestly, the amount of work that I've done in the first three months I'd say it's probably a lot more than I've done in any new job, right? And it feels really good to make an impact so quickly. So yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to do. I'm still just getting started with the strategy implementation and things that I hope to achieve, but there's been quite a bit of work. Were there things that weren't being done that you really needed to address? Like, was there any kind of fix it before you can get really going phase here? I mean, yeah, I'd say, you know, at the age and stage of the company that we're at, we are right in, you know, in some ways like the awkward teenage years. And so it's a really pivotal time for us to start implementing certain processes. I mean, honestly, I'd say that a lot of what needed to be addressed immediately was process, addressing how we do things, how we've done things and having it clearly defined. This is the process for our digital efforts. This is the process for our operations. This is the process for our workflows. This is the process for campaign creation. And so a lot of that was a really big priority to get just documented and clarified. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you have a growing organization, you don't have SOPs necessarily. And if you want to bring people into the organization and replicate things, they have to have something to refer to where everybody's doing their own thing. So it makes a lot of sense. So maybe that's one of the learnings right there is if you don't have SOPs for the things you need to do, you got to build those, right, to be able to accelerate. Let's talk a little bit about positioning yourself for the next promotion. What are you doing to make yourself more attractive to your current employer to keep you on and promote you? What are the things you're doing? It's a good question. You know, I'd say that the simplest way to answer that question is I'm doing my best. I think that that, you know, when it comes to growing and whether it's a promotion or just learning and growing in your career, waking up every day and doing your best. There are times that you're going to make mistakes. There are times that you're not going to be as successful as you want it to be. Things aren't going to go the way that you plan, but having an attitude of doing your best every day is going to set you up, I think, for just a healthier relationship at work and an ability to let things go. So that kind of can do attitude, I think is setting me up for success, setting me 
me up for the next steps. In addition to rolling up my sleeves and doing the things we need to move fast, you know, we're moving at hyperspeed and am I getting to implement the strategy and every detail of things that I see for our future right now? No, there are things that we need to do to optimize our campaigns, to optimize our business or pipeline and doing what we need to do for the success of the business might not exactly look like what I envision for, you know, our ABM strategy, let's say. So it's kind of going with the flow that you need to for the success of the business. Ultimately, I'd like to think that that's setting us up for success. And then in regards to just my path and, and promotion, I think I have a non-conventional attitude about it. When people ask me where I want to go or what I want to be or what I want to do, and my answer is kind of simple. It's I'm going to keep climbing until I don't want to anymore. And I don't really have these set timelines and expectations of needing to achieve X title by X timeline. What am I contributing to the business? How do I feel about my job? And do I feel fairly treated and compensated? Those things, of course, matter. But you know, I'm just enjoying the ride. I like that. That's awesome. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what demand gen looks like at Reach Desk. You know, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Let's dig into the work itself a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'd say that Reach Desk itself, we're a company that, you know, we sell to ABM, you know, marketers, we sell to demand gen, we sell to build marketing. So I'd like to say that as an organization, we drink our own Kool-Aid, you know, we're practicing the marketing that we preach. Part of my role here is to evolve and to grow and mature the strategy. So I'd say that where more of our earlier efforts have been what I define as, you know, traditional demand gen, where I'm taking it is what I think of as an evolved account-based marketing strategy. And I call it full funnel marketing, where the top of funnel are referred to as targeted demand generation. And once they, you know, touch the funnel, enter your CRM, that becomes your account-based touch points. I don't believe that it is demand gen or ABM. I believe that it is a requirement to have your traditional demand gen efforts, top of funnel, targeted accounts, targeted, you know, strategy, build the engagement, build the journey. And then as they enter the funnel, they move into more of your account-based function motion with channels and tactics. And so that's what I'm working to bring to Reach Desk. So it's more of a holistic view of like a continuum of behaviors and engagements as opposed to real finite orders between things, it sounds like to me. Exactly. Yeah. And like kind of refer to the whole picture as the flywheel effect. And ironically, I'm speaking about this next Tuesday at B2B MX. Don't know that this will be out before then, but I'm going to be speaking with Jen Lever, Jess Gandolfo and Korea Owens were talking about session. Don't put ABX in a corner, but the whole kind of message behind it is really that ABX is the key piece to create the flywheel. And you have your brand that is creating demand. You have your customer advocacy that's fueling back to the top of the funnel, building your brand, bringing top of funnel in. And then you have ABX throughout the entire funnel, keeping it all together. So where does lead generation fit in that world? Is lead generation a dirty word? Are you guys feeling the need to do it? I was, it may not be in your domain, but is lead generation something you need to do as a team to support the objectives? Yeah, that's a good question. It is in my domain. Is it a dirty word? We don't operate on a lead model. 
However, we, you know, bring in top of funnel, we bring in new contacts, we bring in new accounts by way of traditional lead generation. Yes. So that is happening, but it's not referred to as lead generation. You know, we're not counting our MQLs. We're building our database. We're building out our contacts, building out our accounts that way. It's interesting because obviously we meet people where they are in this business and some CEOs are under a lot of pressure to perform the next 30, 60 days. And they don't have the time to, in their minds, to make these investments and others have got momentum and then they can be more strategic in their marketing investments. So it's interesting to hear you say that. We view it sort of as the swirl cone at the ice cream stand. And it's like, how much vanilla and how much chocolate do you need? Because if the CEO has that pressure, you need the short fuse tactics while you try and build up you know, yes. a, a real funnel. Exactly. And that's why it's not one or the other. I like that swirl cone, right? Because you can't, in terms of like strategy shifts and changes, you can't just dump out a model that is bringing you pipeline to bring in a completely different model. It's more of like a blending of sorts. And you're bringing in the new accounts and contacts by way of engaging them. So, you know, it's almost like I've broken every rule and broken every definition of what's demand gen, what's ABM, and I'm doing what works. And, you know, I refer to ABM as just good marketing. I don't think that there's a line between the two. You can talk to your blue in the face about what is this and what is that and argue what's traditional, not traditional, but at the end of the day, doing what works for the business, successfully building pipeline, getting your revenue. That's the goal. Yeah, I think that's what we should all be about, right? And focus on driving the business. I want to ask you a little bit about how you're practicing ABM there. What are the hows of this? You know, how are you accomplishing your goals? What are the tools, tactics? What are things that you can share with people that are really working for you that others might benefit from taking a look at it? And the reason I ask is not to get state secrets from you so much as we've come to understand is that things change really quickly and what worked nine months ago might not be so effective today. So if you have any things you can share that aren't too sensitive, that would be really great. I love those insights. Yeah. You know, as a whole, I'd say that what I have brought in and one thing that I very much rely heavily on is what I'm calling integrated campaigns that are inclusive of all channels and all tactics and creating an experience for the prospect to bring them in funnel. So that to me is, it's almost a training wheels on your way to, you know, implementing the ABM strategy. It's a good kind of entry level effort. And you know, these integrated campaigns have always been very successful for me and all of the companies that I've run them in. And so I was really excited to bring that into the business and to connect the dots between the different teams and work together and collaborate. So that's an internal success, but also externally, right? You know, how is it impacting the pipeline, the customers? Is that they're not just getting an email here, a webinar invite there, you know, a sales email over here with these different messages or different objectives. It's integrated messaging across every place that they're being touched by us. And so they're getting a story. They're learning about the pain points. They're having that problem awareness, solution awareness, you know, building out that experience. And, you know, for me, in terms of what I call like the mandated pieces to driving success are a few different things. So you, you need to collaborate with your sales team. You need to collaborate, be connected. You need to enable them. That is such a critical component of not just ABM, but I think any successful marketing, anything at all. You need to have decent data and you need to have access to visualize what's happening with that data, not just for reporting, which we absolutely need, but your sales team needs that visualization 
visualization of what's going on with these accounts. They need to have an insight into if they have intent, if they are engaging and what is their engagement score. You know, I think that probably one of the biggest things that I'm a strong believer in implementing at ReachDesk is like the MQA is when you reach out, the whatever you want to call it, reaching a certain level of engagement. That is the time for outreach to start. And we don't want to be having conversations with somebody prior to that when they're not ready for it and potentially having a negative start to a conversation, understanding where a prospect is in their journey and coming to them at the right time of that process. So there's the data itself the data visualization orchestration with your sales team. And then of course, you know, your campaigns. And I always say that as marketers, campaigns are the bread and butter. Like we know how to do campaigns. Like we got that. We have to figure out how to be better at the rest of those things. Fair enough. I think campaigning is really important. We call it sometimes surround sound. So we don't want to have somebody just get one message in one channel and expect that they're going to do what we want them to do next. Mm -hmm. You know, we want them to see it in their LinkedIn feed, see it in their email, see an ad, see something else and find their way to some awareness and maybe enough activity and engagement that exactly we can say to somebody in sales, hey, somebody over here at XYZ Chemicals looks like a really good fit. We should be reaching out. I think it's really interesting. I think that, you know, certainly as a salesperson in a sales role, I've used gifting in different ways. And the idea that we could scale gifting, scale those touch points is kind of interesting to me. I haven't had a chance to get a client to do it, but I think it would be good, especially for folks that are trying to reach a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a feely marketer. So I feel like, you know, for me, I see it so strongly. I feel like I've had really amazing experiences with advocacy creation. And it's obviously more on the customer side, but it is completely sold me on, you know, the impact that gifting can make. It really does stop you. And I'm not talking about a Starbucks gift card. You know what I mean? Like it's not quid pro quo. It is literally like the company mission that we talk about is really about like recognizing somebody. And it's not, it's like, yeah, do we want a meeting? Of course we want an opportunity. Oh no, we're actually sending you this because you just had a baby. Congratulations. You just had a promotion. Congratulations. Like recognizing moments in people's lives and giving them an opportunity to just stop and be like, oh wow, this did happen. I'm appreciating this moment. I'm appreciating this thoughtfulness and connection and human connection is it's something that can't measure. It can't be replicated with a robot. I'm all for, you know, modernization of technology, but human connection cannot be done anywhere else outside of humans. And I don't believe we're going to ever lose that touch point and especially in the world that we live in of digital everything that these things it really has the opportunity to change someone's day and of course we have numbers behind this so you know we've got guaranteed ROI you know we're talking about impacts and there's massive impacts to the business massive impacts to the pipeline like 200% increase in conversations that are like conversations that you've been ghosted on like 200% increase in your connection rate so it works but it also gets to deliver a moment of recognition for somebody so that's very cool well thank you and if people want to reach you and talk abm or learn more about reach desk how can somebody get a hold of you I'd say LinkedIn is always the best bet for me, reaching out my LinkedIn profile. Excellent. Likewise here. You were a great guest, Amber. Thank you so very much. If people want to reach me, also on LinkedIn, LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit or our website, austinlawrence.com. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do so wherever podcasts are distributed. And thanks again, Amber, for a great episode. It was fun to connect with you. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the SAS Backwards Podcast. 
Brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.